Hi, welcome to Ruin My Life, a podcast about forcing your friends to like the things you like. I'm Jason Edwards. I'm Kelsey Goldman. And on this episode, we're talking about Mike Dowdy. Mike Dowdy. Musician, songwriter. Ginger? Writer, ginger. <laughs> ginger, uh, composer, poet. This is a lot of things. Did I say writer? You said writer. Yeah, writer. Songwriter? Songwriter. Book writer. A lot of things. Yeah, so Mike Doty is a musician. Doty. Doty. I believe it's it's Doty. It is Doty. Okay. I, I've I, been saying Doughty in my Doughty, head. Doughty. Doughty. I believe it's Doughty. I If it's not Doughty, I'm going to assume it's Doughty and just proceed as if it were. Okay. We're not uh, good at names on this podcast. No, we're, we're, I, I've, I've previously apologized to everyone who's ever had a name, and that, that remains, that stands. Okay? He is, I would say, primarily known um, for his work as the lead vocalist slash chief songwriter or lyricist, I suppose you would say, of the very, very alternative and very, very 90s band Soul Coughing. Now, the band Soul Coughing, if you know them, you are either heavily into the, the 90s alternative jazz beat poetry scene, or you know the song Circles, which was from their third and final album released in 1998, uh, but Mike Doty, I am more, you know, in touch with his work as a as a solo mu- musician. I'm familiar with Sokoffing's first three their, their three albums. I'm not a, a huge fan. I like it, sort of, but I'm really very deeply connected to his work as a solo artist. That's what this episode is more about. And um, you know, as we usually do with these episodes, they're they're musically inclined. I made for you, Kelsey, a. It, well, not, it's not usually a brief playlist we do on these things. We used to do about 40 songs an episode. But now we're doing brief playlists. Uh, uh, Following uh, in the Caitlin Higgins Caitlin model. Higgins. In the Caitlin Higgins mold, we decided <laughs> that, well, if she can condense the entirety of One Direction's catalog into 13, 14 songs, yeah. we could probably do the same. And so I made for Kelsey a mixtape-style 15-song playlist of Mike Doty's solo work that, that will... Um, I always say that I'm going to put things in the show notes, but I never do. Uh, hopefully for this one, I will, because I think I've actually created a pretty solid little uh, mixtape playlist here. Or He's as, proud of it this time. Or, or as Andrew McMahon would call it, a mixed tape. A mixed tape. Uh, this mix, and I think this mix, while I made it for Kelsey, could burn a hole through anyone. Oh, could sink the sun. It could, it, it could sink the sun. It could sink the sun. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, Kelsey, what a symphony of sound I've written for you. <laughs> yeah, because, and, and I sort of, you know, last time we did a, a, a musical episode, we did, uh, I, I covered the music of Kanye West. Mm-hmm. Which um, at this point in time, was that before or after the Mike Posner episode? Um, I, it was around the same time. I, I, <laughs> I sort of don't count the Mike Posner episodes after the music episode <laughs> because I was not trying to sort of transmit a more of a lifestyle, a, a, a fascination, or a love of a music to you. Is more of a just exploring a person's career who I'm fascinated by. Okay. But the both well, it sort of it applies to both the Kanye episode and the Mike Posner episode were both the playlists were chronologically ordered because I was very interested in their career and the way it progressed and the way their sound changed and evolved as they went along. Whereas Mike Doty, his, his sound certainly has changed and evolved over the years, but I was less interested in discussing that because it's not as sort of, it's not really what excites me about his work. And it's not really the thing that I wanted to try to get across to you. So the playlist I made for you was sort of selected and, and it, to a certain degree arranged, but mostly just selected to, to, you know, get across the, emotional content of his music in a way that I thought would, would reach you and would maybe, you know, explain some of my enjoyment of his work. 
And again, the songs themselves were selected because they, I thought, would catch your attention and engage you. And also, you know, were were songs that I felt would, you know, these, these are songs that I, you know, felt would you know, have some significance to you, potentially. And also were just, I think, very good songs. And so they're not maybe representative of his musical evolution or even his the evolution of his writing. But it's, you know, and it's also not the 15 best songs I think he's ever written. But, I mean, they sort of are. It's a, it's a mixing match. It's sort of a hodgepodge. Okay. It's a bit of a looser approach to our musical episodes than I usually do. Okay. And, yeah, and again, this episode is, uh, yeah, I'm trying to, you know, these are very deeply held associations I have between his music and the feelings I have about it. And so I'm just going to try to see if I can maybe put some of that into words or or if words fail i can use music because man ain't that what music's all about when the words ain't enough you yeah yeah you reach for um uh kelsey help me out here you reach for a song and you um uh you the song is in your heart <laughs> does that make sense yeah okay <laughs> the band soul coughing was formed in 1992. They released three albums, Ruby Vroom, Irresistible Bliss, and El Oso, which I am, again, not really going to discuss in too much detail here, but those were, you know, they got them some credit, some attention in the alternative rock scene. Uh, Mike Doty, who was then going by M. Doty in all the, you know, the, the credits on the albums, once described the band's sound as deep slacker jazz, which I've always found, I've always found that label much more attractive than the actual music they produced, which is a very like, there's a lot of sampling. There is a lot of like almost trip hop type influences and there's a lot of jazz. It's more spoken word than the, the stuff I've given you for the playlist. His, his, he, he, he you know, developed more of a melodic and, and singing bass style as he progressed. The band Soul Coughing uh, fell into some, some disarray, I would say. There's been a, there was a lot of feuding amongst the members, a lot of fighting. It was apparently pretty toxic and bitter, and they broke up in 2000. And Mike Doty, in the midst of all that, you know, was dealing with a lot of like a, you know addiction to alcohol and drugs. And in the midst of all that, he went on a tour in a rental car after they were dropped from their label. Um, he started playing acoustic shows solo, and he had recorded some music at this point, and it hadn't been released yet. He recorded it. The way I understand it, he's recorded a solo album in maybe like the late 90s that was sort of shelved for a while. And he was playing these songs on his tour, and he would occasionally get up on stage and play the songs, and people would know all the words to them because the album had leaked at some point. And that album that would eventually become his first self released album, Skittish. It's an album of solo acoustic guitar tracks, just one guy and a, and a guitar, and occasionally there's some you know flourishes in the background but since it's just you know it's just him singing over acoustic guitar in what sounds like a, a huge empty room <laughs> and then after that he released the ep rockety roll there's haughty melodic in 2005 golden delicious in 2008 golden delicious in fact is the album that sort of brought him to my attention because morgan stewart friend of the podcast and former guest former and future guest Ooh, the once and future guest. Interesting. Check back in on that later. Uh, Morgan, I was going, I was going on a trip to the beach with Morgan and our friend Stephen, and he played this album for us, and it just 
just caught my attention. The first song on the album, Fort Hood, which is on the playlist, is uh, um, interpolates Let the Sunshine In, or I guess Age of Aquarius from the Hair soundtrack, yeah. and is about the war in Iraq. And it really, and the whole album just really, I don't know, maybe it was just that first song, or just the, the fact that I was hearing this guy from a, in my mind, a cartoon music video from my childhood <laughs> uh, producing music, but it really captured my interest and my attention i sort of uh listened to that al- album over and over again during the summer of 2008 and after that i i sort of you know gobbled up the rest of mike Doty's music in the years after that he released the album sad man happy man yes and also yes in my to my mind the albums stellar motel and the heart watches while the brain burns are the canonical albums are there non-canonical albums well he's got a lot of eps in there okay he's got some albums the he's got the Flip is another Honey, which is an album mostly of covers. And then he's got he's got some live albums in there. He's got one album called Dubious Luxury, which is a like sort of his foray into into like fully like electro dance sampling hip hop type beats yeah, album. That, it. It's not in the same singer songwriter vein as his other work. And I don't believe anyone's ever actually listened to it all the way through. <laughs> um, sorry, Mike. I, I've not been super conversant with his most recent two albums, which are, as I, I believe I just said, Stellar Motel and The Heart Watches While the Brain Burns. Because I have a problem where, it, you know, this music is so in, in, ingrained in like the time I spent listening to it in college that when a new Mike Doty album comes out, and even this happened towards the end of my time in college, I am sort of immediately disappointed with it because it does not already come preloaded with the like deeply felt associations I have with his old music. <laughs> So I often have to spend a lot of time with this new stuff to really learn to appreciate it on, you know, a sort of ob- objective or subjective level. To be totally, to be totally honest. No, Kelsey, what did you? You know, I, I gave this playlist to you. I delivered it unto you. Mm-hmm. What are you? What were your sort of your uh, initial impressions of it? Or should I just ask? Do you have any preconceived notions about Mike Doty? I have like heard of Mike Doty, um, partially because we, me and Jen solicited songs about New York from a bunch of our friends um, who had been on our, our blog for a playlist. And I believe you submitted, thank you, the, thank you, Lord, for sending me the F train. Mm-hmm. I, this, is, this ties into my belief that Mike Doty is the poet laureate of Brooklyn, <laughs> um, particularly Brooklyn in the late 90s. So I'd heard that song. And then um, I hear the bells plays a, is like a very in it's a musical moment in a very like intense emotional moment in veronica mars ding uh so like i'd known that song because i'd recognized it from that moment in in veronica mars and when i was listening to this i think i've definitely heard other songs too like i feel like looking at the world from the bottom of well i've definitely heard I don't know what in or like, like I think it's, I feel like it's in a movie or a show or something, but I'm not sure what the whole, the whole impression I had when I was listening to this is that it's just so familiar and nostalgic. Like it makes me feel like I'm in the year 2004. <laughs> <laughs> why 2004 specifically? I, I'm in like 2004, 2005. I don't know. Just like that. Well, why 2004, 2005? Just like that's the vibe that it makes me feel like I feel like that's the kind of music it is. And I don't know why. Did you listen to a lot of singer songwriter music in 2004, 2005? I mean, I listen to a lot of singer songwriter music in general. Mm-hmm. I know that looking at the world from the bottom of a well, which is a song, that, but um, one of. I don't know if it's I don't know if to say if I want to say few or many of his songs that deal with his 
struggles with addiction because there, I think, are a few that are really as explicit as the song is. Mm-hmm. And even even that, if you didn't know his, you know, the problems he's had in his personal life, you might not know it was about addiction. Yeah. But this song has, I think, popped up in I don't know exactly where, but it's popped up in a lot of shows and probably movies. Mm-hmm. I know I'm pretty sure it was in an episode of Grey's Anatomy. So that's I sort mean, of that's sort of the level of, you know, that that sort of is 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 you know from the wider cultural perspective. The sort of like level of indie artist that Mike Doty is. Well, like I feel like I know who Mike Doty is because of that moment in Veronica Mars because I liked that song when I heard it in that moment and I went and looked it up. Like, yeah, he's a sort of you know again broadly speaking to you know to to me and other fans he means a lot more. Yeah. But you know, broadly culturally speaking, he's like an indie artist who produces songs that pop up in you know semi 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 trendy popular shows. TV shows. <laughs> that said. I did enjoy this playlist for the most part. That's good. That's a big. That's a big uh, uh, upswing from our last Mike episode. <laughs> there were some songs that I appreciated more than others, but um, I actually did very much enjoy this. This is my kind of music. I do you. You know, I like singer songwriter music. I like. Mm-hmm. I like a good guy singing with a guitar mm-hmm. or girl. What was your favorite song in the playlist? My favorite song was probably. Telegenic X's. Mm. Telegenic X's two princes Astoria. Yeah, I liked from that Yes one. and also Yes. I liked that one, and then I also liked Fort Hood a lot, and I and I liked a lot of the the songs from um, Hottie Melodic were like as a group my favorite. I included a lot of Hottie Melodic because so as in the same way the skittish was like a very like small scale independent solo mm-hmm. effort. Hottie Melodic is very layered and is maybe the, you know, maybe not overall, but at the time was a very, I don't even necessarily want to say poppy, mm-hmm. but it sort of is very polished and is a full band. There's like a lot of sound, a lot of like mm-hmm. instruments. It's all very, you know, the word that comes to mind often is shimmering. It's a very pretty sounding album. Yeah. And the instrumentation is very like, you know, it's sort of ornate in this very rockish way. It's got a nice full sound to it, as I, as I already said. Which you know, cause that kind of is is very much a contrast between both his first album and just sort of Mike Doty's. You know, his voice, his voice is not sort it's, of a standard singer voice. It's rough. It's rough because I mean, you know, he his background is as a spoken word poet. Which like I'd he, love to hear some of his poetry. Yeah, I'm not super familiar with it. Which is weird because from, from the context of his songs, but if yeah. you listen to any of Soul Coughing, yeah. a lot of that is essentially spoken word poetry. It's weird though because the stuff I didn't like on this was more like that as much as the the more songy stuff. Like yeah. I didn't like um, day by Let's see day day, day by, by day by day by day by day by day. And there was another one that was like that too that Let's I wasn't see. about. No, pleasure on credit. Yeah. I wanted to give you two because Mike Doty is again as as a because it spoken, was from Sad Man, Happy Man. Yeah, as as an old as an yeah. old school spoken word poet and also a person who is, has a lifelong fascination with hip hop, he occasionally has tended more towards uh, a rapping style <laughs> yeah. delivery. Uh, to, I I believe those songs are. I, I want to give you a taste of that style, and I think those are probably the most my my favorite times he has done that they're not like bad they just i didn't like them as much as the others no i would say he's never you know in, even in you know his album stellar motel from 2014 2015 again i i was like i was so out of out of the loop when this came out i guess i was i just recently moved to new york city now i wasn't keeping up on music as much Deeply as, as well as i was like yeah very depressed i mean <laughs> i mean you know you can throw a dart at the calendar and sort of find a time when that happened pretty much <laughs> 
But Same. Stellar Motel is <laughs> the album where he, you know, most gave into his hip hop leanings. And even that is like it never becomes embarrassing. Right. I, and that sounds like a backhanded compliment, but like you know, he's hey, but like, it could be. He's he's a he's, he's a forty-something like white indie dude. Like if anyone it could gonna, become embarrassing. If he was going to embarrass himself, it could have easily have happened. And even like the most like overtly hip hop influenced songs on Stellar Motel are actually you know I didn't include them on this because they're a bit like they're be a bit jarring. Mm-hmm. And again, they're not sort of what I go to his music for. Mm-hmm. But even then, like they're all still pretty good. Like you can tell he knows to stay in his lane. Like, he's not trying to do anything he can't do. He just sort of is, you know, dipping his toe into the world of indie rap in a way that's it's often pretty interesting. What do you go to his music for? This is maybe a conflict of, uh, of, of self, self-image. I don't really see myself as the kind of person who enjoys, like, white guy with acoustic guitar songs, which is, again, problematic because my favorite band of all time is the Mountain Goats, <laughs> You know, 85, 90% of their output is a white guy with acoustic guitar. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, again, that's probably just a, a, a flaw of mine, personally. But Mike Doty, I enjoy his his language is very, you know, a lot of it is very sort of obscure and, and like, mm-hmm. impenetrable sometimes. But it sort of alternates between that sort of, you know, just uh, alternates between just what seems like to be a love of language mm-hmm. and an enjoyment of just pairing words together because maybe they sound good. Or they hint at some, you know, sort of grander feeling that is, that is, you know, hard to put into words exactly. And it alternates between that and just for sort of very plain spoken, emotional, like directly, like, and, and to me, deeply emotional content. I feel like this is like a, a, he's like a very, like a sort of meeting between like more like alternative pop punk style like stuff and then like alternative like mountain goats they might be giant style <laughs> people in him like where it's just like there's there's wordplay and there's and there's that but it's it's got a little bit more of a of a, a popish vibe does that make sense a little bit yeah yeah, yeah. on and, and certain songs more than others because some some he leans more towards the other way because like when i think about the mountain goats i don't really think about like popular music right and kind of the same with they might be giants like i don't like they have a really a great love of wordplay and and lyrics and stuff but it's not like a radio song Mm -hmm. whereas i feel like some other stuff that i i can't really think of an example right now (laughs) but um it's much like mike dowdy has more of a radio song vibe yeah, like you could. Mike Doty. Yeah, you know, it, it is often. I played, you know, I got some friends hooked on Mike Doty in, also in college, and they would play the album Haughty Melodic and, and sort of, you know, I, 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 I wonder, like, why, you know, this album should be so popular. This this should be huge. This, this, all these songs should be on the radio. And I think, you know, obviously Mike Doty's voice is, is I don't okay. want to say it's bad. And again, because I, I, I love artists with unconventional voices. What is it, bad? It is unconventional. Yeah. It is not. It is, you know, a little bit rough around the edges. Mm-hmm. And I think that sort of is, you know, with, with an album like Haughty Melodic and then later on, I think, with maybe Stellar Motel a little bit, uh, his albums that are a little bit more polished and, and sound a little bit more radio-ready, the voice is maybe the only thing holding them back, possibly. Or there's a lot of, you know, a lot of things make make music successful and not successful. But I do think, I do think there's a lot of push and pull in his music between that very very indie sensibility which is very present on uh his first album skittish and a more radio ready sounds like the wrong term especially yeah. nowadays when 
the radio is weird. I, I don't want to dis, dis, discredit the entirety of like pop music because I I love it. And that, that would be that would be an even bigger conflict of self image. But, like, but like, what's on the radio is not pop music necessarily. Yeah, especially if if an artist. I think it's more than if an artist like who has like such deep indie cred makes a thing and you just you call it radio ready yeah that's pretty clearly like a, a dismissive yeah you know that's comment. not what we're saying that's here. an insult and this is not meant to be an insult no. but uh, and then i think you know because i like his album probably my least favorite of his but like what i consider his canonical albums stellar motel has that same sort of it feels like and again i didn't include really i didn't include anything off this album on your playlist but stellar motel has a lot of you know again sort of that sort of radio polish radio sheen to the production um to the you know, this is the way it sounds is very the sort of you know, very clear but the songs a lot of them seem to go on longer than they need to like on yes and also yes there are songs that are 70 seconds long yeah i the one of the things i didn't notice when i was listening to this is like these songs are they they end oh yeah which is nice because <laughs> i feel like so many songs i listen to nowadays i'm like okay this song is four and a half minutes long or longer, and it's too long. Yeah, and, I, and, and his willingness to end a song very quickly, which gets sort of diluted on Stellar Motel, which I don't know if that was a conscious decision on his point or if it was some sort of. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't believe he has a lot of like corporate pressure on him to like produce like radio friendly songs. But you know, maybe if you're a musician trying to make money and like you know survive as a as a as a person, you want to try to get some things that can be released on the radio. Stellar Motel, again, things maybe drag on a little bit too long. But you can see, like, especially in his earlier stuff, and then, you know, not just them, but particularly in stuff like in Skittish or Yes and Also Yes, like, a song will just end. That seems to me to be, uh, come from a, a poetic discipline. Where in poetry, you know, there's no impetus to keep a thing going longer than you need to. It's like, it's just words. Once you're done, you're done. Once you get you, your idea out, you can just stop. A lot of his music really does have that idea to it. Mm-hmm. Like once you've once you've gotten all your lyrical ideas out and you've played the song, that's it. There's nothing else to do. Yeah. But you also mentioned uh, one of your favorites was Tell Jank X's Two Astoria. I did like that. But that song especially I I like a lot because it is, um, <laughs> the the lyrical theme of of if you go to Astoria, is a thing I did not understand until I moved to New York. <laughs> And now I understand sort of what that would mean if someone you knew or maybe had a romantic relationship with moved to Astoria, especially for someone like Mike Doty, who I believe lived in, in Brooklyn. In like or lived in Astoria to start out with. He did? Or like a person you were trying to have a romantic relationship with lived in Queens and you lived in oh. Brooklyn. Oh, I, I took it to mean it was someone who lived near him in Brooklyn. And then I just, then I'm just, I'm just going off the, the narrative that like, if you live in a different borough it's hard <laughs> right i just i understand sort of the what that sort of means of someone who is moving or going to astoria like that's a different like, world it's a different world that's very different from say i mean based on the lyrics of thank you lord for sending me the f train mike Doty, i think maybe lived in park slope at some point i don't know what park slope was like in the 90s but new york in the 90s was obviously a little bit different from what it is now yeah and so i don't know it's, it's kind of hard to express and i think it might make even less sense to anyone who's listening who has not lived in new york but Astoria is a very specific kind of vibe. If you go out and live there, it's a little bit more. In my mind, it's a little bit more family friendly. Like if someone's moving to Astoria, they're probably settling down a little bit. I mean, it's probably as family friendly as Park Slope now, but not Park yeah. Slope in the '90s. Mm, exactly. <laughs> that's sort of I don't know. There's a very specific regional flavor to that song that really appeals to me. Yeah, I and I think that's part of the reason I liked it. Yeah, 
And I, I just like the, the softness of it. I also very much enjoyed. I like a soft yeah. song sometimes. Yeah, a good soft song. And and Skittish especially is very good for that because it sort of is both empty and spacey and kind of bleak, mm-hmm. but also very soft and relaxing, mm-hmm. which I really enjoy. Rising Sign is really good too. Rising Sign is very good. Uh, Rising Sign has the refrain, I resent the way you make me like myself. Possibly one of my favorite lyrics of all time. That makes sense. That's very good. I also put, as I mentioned several times now, thank you, Lord, for sending me the F train on this playlist, which is a song all about being happy that the F train is pulled into your stop. <laughs> a feeling I have felt many, many times. It's a, that's a very relatable feeling. Very relatable. Even if you, you know, maybe you don't live off the F train. You but know, you know. But you know. If you, you live know. in a city where you rely on public transportation, there's a very strong feeling you get when your train falls into the station, especially when you really I mean, need I think to get it's, somewhere. It's pretty New York centric. It is, I'm because sure. Because the, the inefficiency of the MTA is very regional. Uh, so you, you, so you are saying that he is, his, his thankfulness here is just, you know, <laughs> he feels as if the only way the F train could have arrived to his station is through divine intervention. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is very fair. Uh, God I, knows it wasn't the signals. Oof, oof, no. Thanks, Cuomo. You have your ski resort now. I hope you're happy. Oh, God, I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> uh, I included Fort Hood on here, which, again, was the song that first took me on Mike Doty. Mm-hmm. It interpolates Let the Sunshine In. Mm-hmm. It's about the Iraq War. And I think it's just sort of a very, you know, and it's about Fort Hood, which I think at the time he wrote it was the uh, the, the American military base, which had lost the most people in the Iraq War. And he, it's a very, I think, powerful expression of just a look at what that how that feels to be a person who is disconnected from what's happening in in the middle east but is aware of like the effect it's having on people who live here and it's sort of the the powerlessness and the frustration and the self-hatred that comes with not being able to do anything and also sort of on some level not wanting to disrupt your own life to do anything Mm -hmm. i think it's very it's i've only it's it's, i've only grown to appreciate it more and more as time has gone on uh i put sad girl walking in the rain on here that was just for you yeah. That's about a sad girl with brown eyes walking in the rain. Yeah, hit me. Hit you, hit you, <laughs> hit you. Hmm. I'm struggling against the challenge I set for myself here, which is to explain why these songs mean so much to me. But 40 grand in the hole. I don't know. It's fucking, it's so, it's so good. It's so good. That's all I can say. It's so good. I mean, I think that there's, sometimes music just gives you a feeling and you can't really explain it. And I think that is what's happening for you here. My feelings, Kelsey. I have so many feelings. Your feelings. I want to share them with you. I'm, I felt them. You felt my feelings? I felt some of them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only some. Only some. That's fine. I don't have that many feelings. Oh, no. But I do have so many feelings. Uh, I'll say I also did not put anything on here from his um album, which I believe is, I will say the shortened title, Circles, Super Bon Bon, and The Very Best of Soul Coughing, which Mike Doty had a sort of recurring issue in his uh, touring life, which is that... So the the breakup of Soul Coughing, as I mentioned, was not acrimonious. Acrimonious means nice, right? I don't know. <laughs> it was bad. It was a bad breakup. It was a bad breakup. They, um, I, once saw, I saw an interview with him once where someone asked him if he would ever do a reunion with them, and he was sort of very like... His response was something like, oh, man, we were such dicks to each other. <laughs> And it's not even like we were like a popular band, so we couldn't we couldn't reunite and then play a bunch of big shows and get a lot of money off of it. <laughs> um, and then I, I think a good portion of his book, the Book of Drugs, uh, his memoir, 
is devoted to sort of breaking down how bad that situation was mm-hmm. between him and his bandmates. But he would, you know, he was so known for these songs. A lot of people only really, you know, like him because of his work with Soul Coughing. So he would do solo shows. People would come and uh, inevitably some drunk asshole would shut up, play circles. And Mike Doty, you know, would, would, you know, not, not willing to sort of play along with that for very legitimate reasons, get upset. And then, but then sometime around 2012, 2013, something began to change. Uh, he decided he sort of wanted to reclaim some of these songs for himself. And he released an entire album of covers of his own music where he sort of like, again, in his sort of solo man with a guitar and some sort of some electronic production redid a bunch of soul coughing songs, which was a controversial move among some people. I would... uh, my impression is that a lot of people were not happy about this. Mm. Uh, I will say I've listened to some of this album. Again, it's not, again, I, soul coughing is never really a band I've, to put it frankly, fucked with. <laughs> all that all that heavy but i like what i hear and i and i sort of also kind of it's hard for me to put myself in the shoes of a person who's such a big soul coughing fan that they can't stand to hear new versions of soul coughing songs <laughs> but i guess that person exists but me i'm mostly just happy for uh mike doty that he was able to you know i hope that project brought him some feeling of peace yeah. you know i hope it, there was something you know sort of productive and therapeutic about what he did there i feel like if you're a big fan of a band you should want to hear covers of their songs right i know people who just hate mike doty sort of i'm not i don't know them i don't really but like they i wouldn't i wouldn't associate with such people <laughs> but i've seen them online people who just are frustrated that he's still producing music that isn't soul coughing which is bizarre to me that's so weird i i don't know it's it's hard it's hard to imagine like like what's your favorite band I mean, probably the Dixie Chicks, but hey. I mean, okay. it's also like, like I mean, like very. There's so much good music. I know well, the Dixie Chicks works fine for the yeah. example I'm trying to set here. So, yeah. say Natalie from yeah. the the Chicks of Dixie. The, the Chicks of Dixie. Say yes. they broke up and it was the worst thing ever. That would say suck, they all yeah. fucking hated each other now. Yeah, yeah. And Natalie released solo music. Sure. You probably. I'd still listen. You probably to listen it. to it, right? Yeah. Well, Emily and Marty released, they have a whole other band. <laughs> okay, do you listen to that? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, even if it's not exactly the same as the Dixie Chicks, you probably still, Although, you're, you're not mad at it, are you? I'm not mad at it. Although, like, with Houndmouth, who I loved in their original form, like, Katie left the band recently and is now producing her own music, which I don't love. And they're producing new music, which is also bad. <laughs> so it's like, it's like I don't want either of these things. <laughs> it's kind of like what happened when the when uh, Panic at the Disco split up. Yeah, they split into two uh, equally bad bands. <laughs> what were the two bands? Uh, well, one was called The Young Veins which I think was led by Ryan Ross. And if Katie, friend of the podcast, is listening, she was going to be mad at me for not knowing this. <laughs> but it was Ryan Ross and then I think the the basis of the band. Mm-hmm. Uh, they formed a band called The Young Veins, which sort of took all the classic rock influences from the, the Pancake, the Disco second album, Pretty Odd, and put them into their own shitty, terrible band. <laughs> and then the other band they split up into was, was, was called Panic at the Disco. But it, but it shared, you know, none of the good qualities of any iteration of the band before that. <laughs> and now the band is just Brendan Urie. 
So it essentially is a solo album. And you know what? I listened to a lot of the new Brendan Urie solo project, uh, which is for some reason all still called Pancake the Disco. <laughs> I'm not mad at it. There you go. Some of it I kind of like. And I really had a, you know, those first two Pancake the Disco albums, as, as dumb as this sounds, meant a lot to me. I know anyone who's a so coughing fan probably would cringe to hear me compare these two bands. <laughs> but, you know, Brendan Urie does his own thing. And even when I don't like it, I'm not mad. Right. Honestly, I think it's mostly kind of funny. Like he, Brendan Urie performs Panic Disco songs in concert that he didn't write, and that's well, I mean, like it's... whatever. Maybe I'm exaggerating this problem. Maybe, you know, well, almost definitely like the issue of you know disgruntled former soul coughing fans is not a nationwide <laughs> epidemic by any means. But you know, either way, like if you don't fuck with Mike Doty, you know, go fuck yourself. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what to say. <laughs> I hope Mike Doty keeps making music. Even if, you know, I, you know, I wasn't, I'm, again, as I mentioned earlier, I'm not ever going to be crazy about his new work when he puts it out because the time when I really like latched onto his stuff as like a really like important thing to me is past and I can't get new versions of those songs, but I still, you know, I, I give everything a chance. Yeah. So Kelsey, mm-hmm. to wrap things up, I'm going to suggest for you, Sure. Uh, I'm going to sort of, you know. This is you can take or leave this. This is just sort of just free advice given to you by me, your okay. friend Jason. Okay. Uh, that you listen to the entirety of Skittish. Okay. And the entirety of Haughty Melodic. Okay. And if those things speak to you, you know, pursue Mike Doty's music further. Uh, if you know you're not inspired to seek out other things, you can leave it at that. But those two albums, I think, are, if you like what's in those two albums, you will find plenty to enjoy in his later work as well. And all the hell, you know, check out a soul coughing album. Fuck it, what do I care? <laughs> it's, your, it's your life, man. It's my life. It's man. your life. Check it. Yeah, it's good stuff. Ruby Vro- Ruby Vroom has some good songs on it. Ruby Vroom, if you, if you, if you don't like his, enjoy the music, listen to the way Mike Doty narrates the, the lyrics of Screenwriters Blues. It's it's the funniest shit ever. I don't know. It's, the music's out there, man. It's free. I mean, it's not free. <laughs> I got Spotify. You got Spotify. That, that again is like I haven't. I feel part of the reason why I want to do this episode is because I haven't bought a Mike Doty album in like several years mm-hmm. since 2011 when I bought it on CD <laughs> and I feel kind of guilty for that <laughs> so I, I have this vague I, I what I wanted to do is I wanted to sort of you know use this as an opportunity to evangelize slightly okay but I, I, I feel like I have again failed you I failed you and I failed Mike Doty Aww. and that, that's rough for me because I usually don't end these episodes feeling like I, like I failed anyone Aww. <sighs> I don't think you failed me thanks Kelsey oh you know what time it is? It's pitch time. Pitch time. Hey, Netflix, don't you want this show? God, I really just don't know. <laughs> it's pitch time. Since Mike Doty is kind of an artist that we see in emotional moments in TV shows. Yes. What Mike Doty, what Mike Doty song would you want in what current TV show that you watch? Ah. Uh. Good question, Kelsey. Very good question. Very hard to answer. Yes. But a very good question. Thank you. <laughs> like I would love to hear the pink life from Skittish on any any TV show. I don't even know what the context I want to hear that is in is, <laughs> but I just want to hear it. I want I want I want to hear I want to hear the song Diane from Sad Man Happy Man on a road trip movie. I want to hear that on I want to, I want to see a recut version of the movie Elizabeth Town. <laughs> With only Mike Doty songs. 
And also the entire movie is just the, the, the road trip scene because that movie is dog shit. That movie the, is terrible. The song, the soundtrack is amazing. The I soundtrack think, is really good. I think, I think that's, that should be what Cameron Crowe does going forward. Is instead of making movies, he should just make you know Montages? places to launch soundtracks from. Oh, in fact, yeah. as I'm saying it, that kind of already is his career at this point. <laughs> so guess what? My, my pitch is Cameron Crowe, retire, bitch. That's not really in the spirit of pitch time. Um, <laughs> Netflix can't hit us up. Uh, Netflix, can you cancel Cameron Crow? <laughs> mm, what sort of show do you think would be based on the songs of Mike Doty? Ooh. I don't mean like necessarily like narratively, just like if a if a like show was type of show? if a show was going to take his music just as inspiration, like thematically. Ooh, that'd be depressing. Or just aesthetically, yeah, it'd be a sad show. It'd be a sad show. It'd be a sad, sad show. I mean, it would take place in Brooklyn. Take place from Brooklyn. Oh boy, pitch time is a real bust this week, huh? Mm. This week, I would say this week, like we do this weekly. <laughs> we don't. We don't. We really don't. Um, I feel like we don't have a solid pitch. I'm worried. This like, what this the episode the Netflix listens to? Oh no! And they're like, oh well, no pitches here. Keep on moving. Well, like I feel like Mike the Mike Doty aesthetic show. Mike it, the Mike Doty show. The Mike yes, the Mike Doty aesthetic. Yeah, is like. The sort of like alternative, it's like love, right? Right. Right? It's like an alternative romantic comedy that's not actually happy. What if this is a new direction I'm sort of taking this in? What if Mike Doty hosted his own talk show on Netflix? Listen, they gave Chelsea Handler her own show on Netflix. I mean, Chelsea Handler was hosting a talk show before, though. <laughs> yeah, very poorly. She was doing a it. bad job. I didn't watch it. <laughs> don't we? Don't we all? Don't we not like Chelsea Handler? Didn't? Didn't we decide we didn't like her? I don't know how we feel about Chelsea Handler. I don't know what happened. I don't. I'm indifferent something, to Chelsea Handler. I feel like something happened five years ago, and I still don't like her. I don't know Probably. what it was. That makes sense. Remember that show that she made about herself with Laura Prepon as playing Chelsea Handler? Oh right. But also Chelsea Handler was in the show as a friend of herself in the show. And the show, Kelsey's looking around like there's like some sort of demon haunting us that's like reaching out of the past to drag us both into hell. And the darkest time. In a way, she's right. No, that the show was based on her memoir, Are You There, Vodka? It's Me, Chelsea. Oh. But because they didn't like that as a title for NBC, they changed the title to Are You There, Chelsea? Which makes no fucking sense. Um, so I guess my sort of thought I'm sort of chasing here is, what if Mike Doty had Chelsea Handler's career? <laughs> Well, there's a whole show about Mike Doty's life as an independent artist, you know, struggling to overcome drug addiction and make his way, like, you know, in the solo scene, just, just himself and his guitar. And also, he had a friend who was a bartender who was played by the actual Mike Doty. I mean, that sounds like a show, though, right? What if, what if it's a, what if it's a show about, like a, like, a struggling, like, young independent artist with some demons he's struggling to overcome? That sounds like a show. And like a, like a very like tense relationship with his former bandmates. Who plays Mike Doty? Ooh, good question. Um, I'm just going to just take a swing on this one and say Bo Burnham? Um, just just for some synergy with our older episodes. <laughs> um, well, so who's like, I'm, uh, okay, um, here, okay, okay, number two, just now, just off the dome, just this is my second swing. You know, this is the mm -hmm. second pitch. So take a hit at it again. Uh, Philip Phillips? Sure. Uh, I don't know if he can act or sing, really, I guess. I mean, Bo Burnham kind of works, but I feel like he's not. Who's a young, boyishly handsome singer who can also act? Oh, John Mayer. There it is. <laughs> there it is. The Mike Doty Show starring John Mayer as Mike Doty. <laughs> they did a 
don't really need to be able to sing that well. They just need people to imitate Mike Doty. Right. Well, I think I think to make the show like more popular, it would need to be like the style of singing would would change. Oscar Isaac. It would be right. The uh, Lewin Davis the show. The Lewin Davis basically. the show. That's basically what it is, right? Though it's Lewin Davis okay, the show. Okay. Okay. No, so we're getting somewhere now. <laughs> so okay, from from the people who brought you Fargo the show. Netflix. Like, that was FX, but whatever. But we'll like, pretend. but but like, that's the tone I want for a Mike Doty show, right? Right. I want like a like a Coen Brothers tone, yeah, like a Lewin Davis tone. Right. You want you want like a, like a slightly absurd sort of out there tone. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, like a little bit of like, you know, not quite somewhere in like the um, you know, the Atlanta or like Louisish world. Yeah. What if like like just a little bit off? Yeah, just a little bit off. Still grounded. And I see, and I see the Mike Doty show is a little bit more conventional than maybe Atlanta is, mm-hmm. and maybe more so than Louis was. And I feel like shit talking about Louis as a show, but it's a very, it's just, it's, it's it's a good reference point for this kind of tone. Um, but yeah, but who? Well, we, we need that star power, baby. Okay, so okay, okay. This is my last go at it. Dan Stevens. <laughs> who? Oh, Dan Stevens from, from Legion. Yeah. Dan Stevens from Downton Abbey. Dan Stevens. He was in uh, Beat and the Beast, right? He had to sing in that. Yeah, he can. He can sing. <laughs> what okay. was yours? Uh, I got. I got one more. Okay. He's a. He's a. You know. He's a singer. He's not. You know. His. His. His vocals are not. You know. Has, has never. You know. Blown anybody away with their. You know. Sort of you know, traditional beauty. Mm-hmm. But he's. Uh, you know. Well known as a singer. He brings a lot of. You know. The younger audience. He has a proven. Uh, you know. He. He's acted before, or he rather, he's appeared on a show. <laughs> In a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a fictional role. Is it Sean Mendes? Uh, it's Sean Mendes. <laughs> the, 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 the man boy who brought you stitches and in my blood and there's nothing holding Wait. me back and appeared in a pivotal role on season three of The Hundred is back in the Mike Doty show starring Mike Doty as Mike Doty. Harry Styles. Harry Styles is Mike Doty. <laughs> Harry Styles is Harry Mike Styles, Doty. super famous British singer. <laughs> ex-boy band member. Um, he wants to act, right? Well, no, I guess I guess uh, <laughs> much like Soul Coughing, One Direction has broken up. Yes. And I'm sure him. I'd love to get those two in a room together, though. You know, Mike Doty and Harry Styles. Yeah, I'd love to see what they, you know what they have to say to each other. Because Mike Doty keeps up with rap music and like pop music. I assume he knows who One Direction is mm-hmm. and is like conversant with their works. Mm-hmm. And I think it's gotta be Sean. Okay. We get Sean Mendes on the phone. <laughs> is Sean Mendes interested in doing a a small scale, uh, semi absurd dramedy for Netflix? Maybe. <laughs> Starring alongside Mike Doty, noted non-actor. And someone else, probably. And, and yeah, I guess there's probably a woman in there somewhere. Yeah. So Netflix hit us up. That's our pitch for this week. <laughs> we got there. You know, I think there's definitely like at least five seasons there. Definitely. Definitely five, six, seven, maybe. Lock us in front of those deals like FX did with that terrible Charlie Sheen show, Anger Management, where they ordered 100 episodes before they even aired the pilot. Oh, God. Get, get us one of those, Netflix. Can you get one of those for us? God, that'd be so good. So good. Uh, special thanks for our theme song to uh, Dania Bound of the Weeping Willards for use of their song, Outside in the Rain, off their album, the, the Weeping Willards, available now on Bandcamp. And special thanks to Carly Sussman for designing our logo. You can find her work at carly-rose.com. If you have a moment, leave us a review or rate us on iTunes. You should do that, yeah. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. You can find us on on. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> and uh, Kelsey, did you did you like the the playlist I made you? I did. Okay, thank. Okay, good. 
That's basically it. Go to bed. I'm tired. <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. Happy, Happy holidays. holidays. They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up. Can't let them get to me. And even though I always fuck my life up, only I can mention me. They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up. Can't let them get to me. And even though I always fuck my life up, only I can mention me. Only I can mention me. Only I can mention me. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. Okay, I'm ready. On this episode, I ruined Kelsey's life with Mike Dowdy. Mike Dowdy. Because when you ask who who wrote the book of drugs, that's the answer. See, that one's complicated because he wrote a memoir called The Book of Drugs. <laughs> and I was trying to tie that back into the song Who Wrote the Book of Love. Yeah. But I don't really know that song's lyrics at all. I feel like I know that song. But I want to say it's like, yeah, it's like a doo-wop song. Love. But am I is that am I singing the Book of Love or am I singing the Wonderball theme song? What's in a Wonderball? So you, you see my dilemma. <laughs> Wonderball. I'm glad. I'm just glad I have you who like, like watch TV as a child, right? Because I throw this stuff at Sarah and she has no idea what the fuck she I'm talking didn't watch about. Watch cable as a child. If it wasn't something that was on PBS. She has no idea what Jennifer it is. Jennifer is the same way, and it's very frustrating. So you understand. I understand your dilemma. Thank you. Uh, like, like I, I think about all those, like, weird kid infomercials that were on Nickelodeon. Like, that sand that you could, oh, like... Oh, squan- squand? Squand. <laughs> and you, like, took it out of the water, and it wasn't, like, it was to sand, but in the water, it was, like... It was, like, clay? Clay. Yeah. This week on Ruin My Life, squand. 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 What if, we, what if we get some squand for the show episode? Can we get some squand? Hey, I, I make a promise right now. If we can get some squand, we will eat squand on this podcast. Jason will eat squand we'll, on this it, podcast. I'll put it in my mouth. I'm not sure I'll eat it. I'll put it in my mouth. <laughs>